ComC is excited to announce their latest partnership with CGC Trading Cards and CSG. With over 30 million raw cards available in our marketplace, ComC is ready to provide an effortless grading experience for you to buy, sell, and now grade your Marvel, Sports, Star Wars, and TCG trading cards. ComC is thrilled to offer a smooth and seamless grading experience that is available today for all their customers. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. It is release week. That's right. 2023 Top Series 1 will be coming out this week, the week of February 13th, and a lot of people are excited about it. It's one of the things collectors look forward to each year is that release of Top Series 1. But I realized last week as the hype started to grow and more and more press was out, the checklist was out, I realized I am not really interested this year. This is probably going to be the first time in about six years where I have no plans to purchase a hobby box or jumbo box of Series 1. And I'm not really sure why, but it's kind of continuing that path of my interest focusing on vintage, my interest focusing on purchasing collections, and my interest has not been as heavy as it used to be when it comes to buying new wax. I'll still buy boxes occasionally from time to time. I still bought several hobby boxes and opened several hobby boxes throughout 2022, but the focus is less and less than what it used to be. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to collect Series 1. I'm still going to pursue that set. I'm still going to pursue those cards, but I'm going to be approaching it from the perspective of buying the remnants of other people's hobby boxes and other people's case openings where they only want to get the the hits and keep the hits and maybe some of the very low serial numbered cards, I'm going to be looking to find opportunities to scoop up the rest so that I can put out singles, so that I can build a set for myself. And, and I'm going to approach top series one in that manner this year. But to all of you out there who are looking to pick those up, definitely go and do that. It is definitely a lot of fun to open series one and kick off the new season I personally like the design this year, kind of the nod to 1983 with the the portrait down in the corner. I'm a fan of this year's design, so I will be looking to acquire some for the collection, but I won't be necessarily looking to buy those wax boxes. Anyway, a little bit about Series 1, my thoughts on Series 1. That's been on my mind this last week as as we move closer and closer to release date, which should be shortly after you hear this. Well, our conversation today, the interview that we're going to be doing is with Bob Wheatley. Bob was a minor league pitcher for several years, and that's actually how we first met in 2017 when he was a member of the Normal Corn Belters uh, Independent Frontier League team. I was the chaplain of the team at the time, and he was one of the players, and that's how we first met. Well, Bob just released a new book, and we're going to talk a little bit about his book today. But first, I'm going to tell you about Underdog Collectibles, the online shop run by Collectors for Collectors that breaks new product multiple days a week across Facebook, YouTube. And you can find out what they're going to be breaking this week by checking them out at udogcollect.com. 
You can also see their full selection of wax singles supplies at their brick-and-mortar shop in Knoxville, Tennessee. They're also an approved group submitter to SGC, so if you've been thinking about getting some cards graded, you can check out that program by checking them out at udogcollect.com as well. And when you do, make sure you tell them that Wax Pack Hero sent you. Now, Underdog was my first sponsor. They were the first group that reached out to me to ask about sponsorship shortly after I launched the show, but this is actually the last week of their sponsorship run, and I want to thank them for that almost three years of sponsorship. It means a lot to me, and I appreciate the, the partnership that we've had for these last couple of years. Hi, this is Scott Spizio, and you're listening to the Wax Packs Hero Sports Card Minute. Today, I want to welcome Bob Wheatley to the show. Bob is an author, a podcaster, and a former professional athlete. He played four years of professional baseball in the minor league systems of the Toronto Blue Jays, the St. Louis Cardinals, and even in the Independent Frontier League, which is where we first met when he was a member of the Normal Corn Belters. He's just released a new book titled Our Heart's Desire, How Our Stories Reveal the Thing We Want Most. So, Bob, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is cool. This is full circle. Yeah, it's fun to to connect again after several years. That was back in 2017, I believe, when we That's were correct. Good memory. Um, when we were working together. I want to spend some time on the book, but first, since this is a hobby show, I did have a few hobby-related questions for you. Please, fire away. All right. So you grew up playing multiple sports. Did you collect cards when you were younger as a kid? I actually did. Yeah. My grandfather, every Christmas, he would give me the new box of tops baseball cards. And I, I was born in 92. I mean, I might've gotten a box for like 10 years in a row from, you know, 94, 95, maybe all the way through. And every single year I could just, I could bank on that Christmas present from grandpa. And I remember breaking those open and I'd have the binders and stuff, you know, I'd have it set by team, but then I also kind of had my like all-star binder where it's like, Oh, these guys are really good. So you know, I got my first page is just all Nolan Ryan. Second page is, you know, you got Randy Johnson or Pedro or whatever. So yeah, I, I've collected uh, a little rusty. So I'm glad that you and I have connected again so I can get, you know, get the tips from the expert. But yeah, that was always a part of my childhood for sure. Do you still have any of those cards or, you know, have I you collected have all. it all since then? You yes. still have them all? I yeah. still have every single one of them. Yes. You know, you're a, a pitcher and so was you, and you mentioned Randy Johnson, Nolan Ryan, you know, some of these guys or was pitchers kind of your focus as a kid when you were collecting. So I didn't, I didn't change or I didn't, I didn't focus on pitching specifically until later in high school. So no, I still have my, you know, Barry Bonds and Nomar Garcia para and like all these guys that I, I grew up watching. Uh, I've, you know, pages upon pages, cause literally years of cards. Yeah. You know, very cool. Did you do any of the, I know you played other sports. Did you collect any other sports? You know, I didn't, I have a handful of football cards just laying around, but it would have been like the, the miniature packs, not the entire league. Sure. It was very much a baseball thing for me. Now you've got a couple cards of your own as well. You know, you're in the 2015 Vancouver Canadians team set and the 2016 state college spikes team sets. What was it like seeing yourself on a card for the first time? Uh, it, it, it was pretty cool. I mean, you, you grew up collecting cards and you talk about the Nolan Ryans of the world and stuff like that. And then you see your face on a card. It's awesome. I did feel bad though, because I probably brought down the value of the set, <laughs> but it was still a fun experience for sure. 
Did you keep any of them? Do you have any of them today? I'm I'm sure they're stored away in a you know the the Vancouver box or I think I had one from summer baseball as well played in Newport okay. Rhode Island yeah we have all we have all the scrapbooks and stuff that are now collecting dust but yeah we still have them well let's spend a few minutes talking about the book our heart's desire how our stories reveal the thing we want most now part of your story was your pursuit of making it to the majors you spent four years as a professional minor league athlete chasing that dream. What was that time like for you? It, there were a lot of ups and downs. I'd say it was an awesome time. I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was also a very difficult time. It, there was a lot of loneliness in it. There was a lot of just hard work, and there's nothing wrong with hard work, but it's still hard. It was a, it was a difficult season because I grew up, um, sports were important to me, but I was never some like world-class protege type of athlete. It was just like one small success led to another played collegiately did. Okay. Was never all conference, certainly not all American. Then I get drafted by the Toronto blue Jays, 26 round. I was number 774 overall. Like I was a nobody. They gave me a thousand dollars and said, Hey, we'll give you a Jersey too. It's like, awesome. <laughs> I, would, I would love to come. So it was always going to be a long shot for me to make it to the big leagues, but it was something that I really wanted. So I just poured myself into that and my, you know, just pivoting to my book, like I, I'm a Christian, it's, you know, pretty evident for those who know me, it's very much a part of my life. I would not say that I was a Christian while I was playing even though at that time, I absolutely would have told you that. Like I was praying before meals, praying before I went to bed. I went to Christian middle schools and high schools, so I kind of knew the Bible. But Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And we all can attest there's not a single Christian alive that does that perfectly. But what Jesus is saying is there's going to be a general direction in your life where you want to obey me. And I didn't have that radical shift where if you kind of zoom out 30,000 foot view and look at my life, that happened actually after I retired from baseball because I saw all of those dreams, whether it was baseball, I was actually running a business while I was playing in the minors, that business went under. And then I had a three-year relationship that ended in a pretty ugly way. So this future that I had envisioned, baseball, business, girl, everything came crumbling down and that, that was the radical change. So you asked about what was that like that season? I would say I was head down, super focused, loving what I was doing, but I think my perspective was off. There's a lot of challenges that I think some people don't realize that come with playing the lower level um, in or you know, the independent leagues and the lower class A leagues, uh, kind of those lower levels of minor league baseball, a lot of people don't realize, you know, there's there's that on the field aspect where you're getting to play the game that you love, but then off the field, there's minimal budgets for you to eat, right? There's minimal mm. budget. You're living with host families oftentimes. You know, you're you're not necessarily around that support group and that network of friends and family and things that you've been accustomed to that can definitely be challenging and um, I guess, as you look back on that and trying to navigate those paths of pursuing this dream and also at the same time, 
having a somewhat difficult off the field, you know, environment to be living in too. Is there anything you would do differently as you would have tried to navigate that balance between the the on-field challenges, the on-field excitement, as well as the the challenges that come off the field too? Yeah, it, it's hard for me to say that I would do anything differently only because I trust in God's plan for my life. Like I had to come to that point of failure and disappointment in order to learn the lesson that he had for me. I guess a short answer would be yes. Like I didn't do everything perfectly, but then again, I, I trust that was the trajectory that I was supposed to take. So um, it, it it's a yes and no answer to that. Like if I was counseling myself, Hey, Bob, you're 22 years old. You just got drafted. When you turn 25, you're going to hand your life over to God and then everything will start making sense for you. So you can decide to do that now at 22, or we can just wait three years and take the path that I, you know, that has been written for you. So, um, all in all, like, I don't want my time in the, in the minors to sound like it was a uh, negative. It was an overwhelmingly positive experience. I met some amazing people. I lived in some pretty cool places and I was exposed to things that I might not have been in the corporate world. Like for half of my teammates to be from different countries, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, to, to be forced somewhat by circumstances to learn to speak Spanish so you can communicate with your catcher or shortstop or whatever. That's awesome. And they're just from totally different worlds. So to, to meet people that don't look like you talk like you act like you and have to be of one accord with them, there's just an awesome experience. Now there's plenty of difficulty. You know, I, was, I was literally making $600 a month when you and I met in normal yeah. So like the financial stuff, you're basically delaying your life. You're delaying your professional life to chase a dream, but I'd still do it because there was enough positives to take out of it. Now, we tend to think of ourselves as heroes in our own story, right? And we think we try to put ourselves in the place of these heroes we see on TV or in books. Um, but in your book, you kind of explain that we're actually in a supporting role. What do you mean by that? Yeah. And this would be one thing that I might counsel the younger version of myself, because in athletics, we are taught to be the first one in last one out. You'll hear things like it's your career control the controllable. So there's all these things that breed us to think that we have this sense of control. And that is extremely overinflated. Like we, we control far less than we realize. And so as far as what you asked, the like, who is the, the hero or the protagonist of our story? I think the world of athletics, even the country that we live in, America would say, you are the hero of your story. You know, this is your American dream or, you know, your, uh, you know, you need to go get yours or whatever it is. And that is the paradigm that I saw life when I was playing in the minors. That, however, is not, that's not a biblical framework. And so this guy who had a somewhat radical conversion at 25, like a hard turn, okay, I'm actually going to, you know, follow God and do what he says to the best of my ability. Jesus says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And 
if you're listening to this and you haven't read the Bible, he's not saying, oh, you have to die. You have to physically die and become a martyr in order to be a Christian. That's not it. He's saying, if you lose your life, like when you hand over this life that you're clinging to, that's when life starts making sense. So Jesus, God, is the protagonist of this story that we were born into. And I mean, heroes in fiction can be male, female, but it's always, it's the main character. It is the person that's driving the narrative. And so as a part of my, uh, as a part of that shift at 25, I began to realize that, okay, this is not a story about me. That doesn't mean I can't have blessings in my life. That doesn't mean I can't have friends, family, vacations, things I enjoy, but it's not, it's not about me. The role that I was meant to play as an imager of God is to reflect him is to enjoy him. Like it's, it it points back to him. C.S. Lewis, one of his famous quotes about humility is not thinking less about yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. Like you just, you just take, you just take the focus off yourself. So yeah, that's kind of what you're describing with the, who is a hero, who's a supporting character argument. Life doesn't make sense until we realize we are not the main character of this story. Well, in some of these stories that we watch and that we see, the supporting roles provide subplots or there's sub stories, you know, kind of going along with things. Totally. It can be quite compelling, you know, and there's times when I've connected with a supporting role, supporting actor or actress, and have learned something from one of these subplots that I've been able to kind of apply or incorporate into my normal life or my daily life, the the reason that it connects and resonates. And I wanted to ask about one of those subplots that you kind of outlined in the book. And you tell a story from your high school football days um, in what seemed like to be an important realization for you, right? The quote Mm -hmm. was, Though my words were outwardly humble, my heart was anything but. Can you run us through that story kind of quickly and kind of share what that takeaway or that realization was for you? Yeah. So you and I met within the context of baseball. I was always a you know collegiate professional baseball player, but I also played football in high school. And I would probably say mentality wise, I was always more of a football player because it's black and white, militaristic, you know, hard work. Whereas baseball sometimes is, oh, we'll just roll out the bats and balls and see what happens. So in this chapter of the book, we actually started my senior year, uh, the football season, we played in the Kirk Herb Street Classic. So it was a high school football game. It was televised on ESPN. It was like the California versus Ohio bash. And we ended up losing the game. The team that we played was just significantly better than us. We all like I was the quarterback of the team. I got sacked six times, got beat up pretty bad. And in the post-game interview, you know, the I'm getting uh, getting questioned by, by a reporter on the sideline. And I basically took all of the blame for the loss, all of it. And that that's just what I was used to seeing. You know, you see these quarterbacks in the NFL. If you win, you kind of, you know, give the give the the praise and accolades, the offensive line and the receivers and the team. But if you lose, it's completely on you. And I, I get what's going on there. Like as the leader, you are supposed to lead from the front. But in that chapter, I take you into how I felt in my heart. Like I actually thought, man, I am, I'm so strong. 
for taking this loss. So like I'm I'm out for outwardly humble maybe in that moment, but inwardly, like you said, it was anything but. And what I realize now looking back is there is a huge difference between arrogance and pride. So arrogance is loud and brash and it's in your face and it's crystal clear. It's like the the wide receiver diva, like, oh, he he's arrogant. And sometimes we use the word proud for that. Like, oh, he's, he's really prideful. But what we don't realize is that pride can be internal. You can be perfectly silent and be totally proud. That's yeah, what I was. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, I think that's something that resonated with me as I, as I read that piece is because I think, um, it's, it's not uncommon for myself and, and others to kind of say the right things but internally we're thinking something and feeling something completely different. So that was a, a story that really resonated with, with me. And so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about it. Um, you know, regardless of who we are uh, or where we find ourselves in life, there's one thing that seems to be kind of a universal truth. And that is that at some point in life, we're all going to experience pain, frustration, hurt, you know, it may not be all the time, but definitely from time to time, those types of things are going to come up. In the book, you say there's three things that are necessary to achieve catharsis. What is catharsis? Yeah, so uh, catharsis is the final chapter of the book. It's uh, it's really the main goal of any dramatic storytelling. Catharsis, just like in layman's terms, is you're leaving the movie theater, you're walking to your car. I guess when people used to do that, I'm sure you remember. <laughs> you're, you're walking to your car, and the movie was just awesome. And it's that, ah... Uh, feeling. It's like, man, I, I didn't know what to expect, but that thing delivered. That's catharsis. And when you ask about the three parts that are necessary, the first thing you need is a desire. You have to actually want something. And then secondly, you need a delay. Like there has to be a gap between, oh, I want this thing and I get this thing. So a delay. And then you also need the delivery. We've all seen those movies where you know, we're expecting the guy to get the girl or the murder mystery to be solved or whatever it is. And then it doesn't, we hate those. Like those are the movies like, Oh, you know, you know, it kind of fell flat or I'll never, I'll never watch that movie again. The reason is we didn't get that moment of catharsis. We didn't get the delivery. And so sometimes I think, you know, we're sitting in that delay phase, whatever your desire might be. It might be for the promotion, the relationship, or, you know, as a believer, a restored relationship with God, like, we want paradise again, we don't have it. So we're just stuck in that delay. And wondering, like, Oh, man, how could, like, how could a good God let bad things happen? Or, or, you know, all these questions that Christians and non Christians alike, ask themselves. The Bible provides answers for that, like, God would allow pain into our world just in the same way that a personal trainer would. Like if we translate that into the world of sports or fitness, we literally pay people to hurt us intentionally. Like, hey, Mr. or Mrs. You know, athletic trainer, here's the $50 for this session. Here's my $500 a month or whatever you're paying. I want you to hurt me on purpose because I know the end result will be better. So 
we just need to be cautious of, I mean, the, the Bible says God does that to us and for us. And yet we receive it from the fitness trainer, right? right. It's like totally fine. Oh, he or she's on, on my team. And sometimes we don't from God. It's just making that distinction. Like, no, he is, he is doing this for you. Not doing it to you. He's doing it for you. Yeah. I think that's something that we experience, you know, through mentorship, through, you know, coaches that we've had in our lives, through others who challenge us and push us. Um, like you said, make us experience a little bit of that pain and difficulty so that we can come out stronger in the end. We don't always see it in the midst of those experiences, but, you know, at the end of the day, we we can come out stronger on the other side. What else do you want people to know about the book before we go today? Man, that's a, that's a good question. I would say maybe the person that I wrote it for. So I grew up a Christian and, you know, grew up around the church. Obviously this, this is not like a faith-based show. And you and I talked beforehand, like I want to meet the listener where he or she is. And we of course can connect on the card collecting and the baseball front, but I wrote this book for somebody who's maybe open to the things of God, but doesn't really know where to start. Very what cool. I do in the book, I quote three dozen movies where we're talking about the dark night, the hunger games, the Sandlot, saving private Ryan, like all these stories that I grew up enjoying and helping the reader to understand, Hey, do you remember that moment in the Sandlot? Or do you remember that moment in a few good men? Well, this is a very common storytelling technique. Here's examples two, three, four, and five. Here's when it actually happens in the Bible. And so if the Bible is a compilation of writings over hundreds, you know, thousand plus years, it's the story that according to, you know, according to what it says, Hey, this is, this is the God story. This is the story that he has written and the story that we were born into. So what I want the, the main takeaway to be is if you're somebody who's open to the things of God, but you're like, dude, I'm not going to crack open the King James Bible. Like, there's, there's no way I'm not starting with that, you know, that gold plated beast that my grandparents used to read. Maybe this would be a good entryway because we're talking about the matrix. We're not talking about Leviticus. You know, it's just kind of, because what I, going back to the subtitle of the book, Our Heart's Desire, how our stories reveal the thing we want most. I think a lot of us truly do want to know and love God. We're just looking for an excuse or an avenue to get there. So hopefully what my book does is it just translates it into uh, pop culture, maybe, but more so your childhood, your likes, the things that you grew up enjoying with friends like it's already there we're just helping you to see it very cool if someone wants to either reach out and connect with you or to pick up the book how do they do that how can they do that yeah so the book is available on amazon you could also go to my website bobwheatley.com and then yeah i'd love to hear from you on social if you want to connect it's just at bob wheatley love to hear from you very cool. And I'll put links to all of that stuff in the show notes. So if you didn't catch that live, you'll be able to reference the show notes and get all of those links as well. Bob, thanks for spending a few minutes today talking. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is awesome. 
Hi, this is Pat Hughes, Cubs announcer, coming to you from the sports card shop in beautiful New Buffalo, Michigan. The Gocher family has built an incredible place here for collectors to buy, sell, and trade cards and memorabilia. Be sure to stop by and let them show you around. TheSportsCardShop.com, connecting sports, athletes, the hobby, and collectors around the world. Well, I want to thank Bob for spending a few minutes chatting today to talk about his book, talk about his collecting as a kid and kind of why that was important to him in those days. I really appreciate that. Well, I want to thank you also for tuning in and for listening. I really appreciate the support. I haven't asked in a while, but if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating and a review on your podcast app of choice, I would really appreciate it. It helps other people find the show. And even better yet, if you enjoy the show, tell a friend about it. If you think that they could get something out of our conversations here, I would really appreciate you telling a friend, asking them to check out the show as well. Well, tune in next week as Sean Anderson from the Hall of Very Good podcast is going to be joining me to talk about both his background in content creation and his Ross Grimsley Super Collection. Yes, Ross Grimsley. He's the first person I ever have met that collects Ross Grimsley. And so if you want to hear about his collection of one of the more obscure players that we've ever touched on, this is going to be the episode for you. Check that out. Well, that is all I have for you today. So I'll catch you next time.